Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. You know, these very fancy directors in Hollywood, they have a bad attitude <laughs> about all the superhero movies. Yeah, I, you know, I guess they don't want to do like Archie and Jughead, all those comic book movies, right? Uh, <laughs> Charlie Brown, none of those comic books for them. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But first, <laughs> let me tell you this. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your overall business success because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. All right. You know, this Marty Scorsese, what has he ever done where he <laughs> wants to take on the Marvel Universe? I guess he's kind of the uh, the godfather, although that was Coppola, of course. He's good, the good fellow, we could say, <laughs> of the anti-superhero movie sentiment. Uh, this has been going on for a couple of years now, but now it's become a thing, bro. So uh, Martin Scorsese was the one who uh, famously said that they were more like theme parks, superhero movies, and they weren't cinema. And that's what really got people going when he said they're, they're not cinema. And even Robert Downey Jr., who is a great actor, mm -hmm. uh, said, well, they're in cinemas. You know, they are in movie theaters. True. You know? Uh, but I think we all know what Martin Scorsese is getting at, right? He makes, you know, prestige American Film Institute top 100 type films mm -hmm. that will last forever. Uh, art. Yes. Right? right? As opposed to big popcorn entertainment, although it could be argued that some of his films are both. But now these entertainment journalists, uh, they're going for what they call, what do they call that? The clickbait. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, when they they want to tweet out and, and go everywhere else on, on the uh, social media uh, platforms and say you're not gonna believe I got you know the ghost of Ingmar Bergman to comment <laughs> see, on superhero movies so they're now they're asking yeah. every prestige film director who's probably never gonna direct a superhero movie what they think of superhero movies and these directors answer honestly it would not surprise me completely however if you did see some of these great directors whether it was you know Dennis Villanueva or Inaritu or even Ridley Scott. I mean, let's go back to Ridley Scott for a second. He does that big over-the-top stuff. It's almost superhero-ish. And Absolutely. if you look at the last, uh, let's look at five years of Marvel movies. Yes, there have been a lot of sort of incomplete plots and things like that. But they are fun. They're entertaining. They're smart. Some of them are beautiful. This new Shang-Chi movie that is out is mm -hmm gorgeous to look at i mean that is in and of itself between that and black panther are two of the most beautiful movies of the last decade in terms of just a visual experience yeah and you know chloe zhao who won the academy award just last year for nomadland and has specialized in small independent films about the american landscape just directed Eternals, the giant superhero right. movie, and, and tried to infuse it with some different things. For example, they didn't shoot it all just green screen and all in, in Atlanta. They went uh, to the various locales, and I think you could see that on screen. And you made the point, too. You know, Dennis Villanueva just did Dune, which has superhero elements to it. Okay, right. it's a big, giant, you know, take some, uh, some sort of uh, brown acid before you see Ooh, it, uh, yeah. trippy film, but it certainly is a mega-budget film that relies heavily on special effects, uh, whether with the, you know, the characters morphing into different types of characters or these otherworldly planets. And you mentioned 
Ridley Scott. And Ridley Scott, he's mad because he says that uh, The Last Duel didn't do well because the millennials aren't, you know, aren't hip to like, you know, these kind of epic period pieces. But Gladiator was a superhero movie on one level. I mean, I, right. a cut above. I, I think, you know, what a lot of these filmmakers are saying, too, and I, I get this. Uh, they're, you know, uh, Roland Emmerich, who, by the way, has done a bunch of disaster movies, talked about how his eyes glaze over and he watches them on the plane so he can fall asleep. Oh, that, to me, you know, is kind of elitism from a guy who doesn't really make elitist films or films that are, are elite, I should say, yeah. and a little bit of jealousy. And I know some of these directors definitely resent the commercial success of these films. I would argue that their films have their own niche and people aren't saying, I'm not going to see the latest Bong Joon-ho film because I'm going to see a superhero movie. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll see yeah, see both. Right. Uh, if you love movies, you love movies, and you, there's room for everybody in this tent. And I just can't even figure out the economics of this. When you look at some of these films that are now, because of the pandemic, going either directly to screens and over the top, or they are just going to screens for two weeks and then they're going to Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO and all. Max, et cetera, right. day and date, all that stuff, yeah. Then you're, you're, getting, uh, you're getting to a point where how does the money make sense? That's what I want to know. I, I watched Hawkeye last night. Yeah. The, the series now. And that, now this, that's Jeremy Renner. Right, mm -hmm. he's not an inexpensive guy to go get to make this. He's also the kind of actor who you know considers himself and should consider himself, uh, you know, an actor in the tradition of Sean Penn and before that Marlon Brando, like actors, actors. You know, you see yeah. him oh, in movies like Hurt Locker and The Town, and this is a guy that becomes those characters, no question about it, and he's. Not only a brilliant actor, but you just can't take your eyes off him on the screen. There's something yeah, that is that is beyond that. That's special sauce that that Cary Grant had, and everybody else had. You didn't have to be the perfect actor. You just had to be so compelling to watch work. Yeah, that that sells the whole film. And this series, it was was originally designed to be a movie. They actually had to redo his contract. Mm to make it into a Disney Plus series. Okay. I watched the first episode of this and mm. thought, oh my God, this has got to be maybe $10 million. Yeah, it definitely get... looks It looks like a movie. And they incorporate things from the Marvel Universe. So you see the Battle of New York taking place in the prologue uh, of this, you know, and he's in that. Uh, and, you know, in the meantime, Jeremy Renner's doing a, a series called Mayor of Kingstown, which is this gritty you know, it has a feel like of the 1970s cop movies, even though it's set in real time. And you, and you think, okay, he probably, if you if you sat Jeremy Renner down over a beer or he's got one of those bands he likes to play in and you said to him, you know, What's, what do you really dig doing more? It's probably Mayor of Kingstown as opposed to Hawkeye. Yeah. But you've seen the first episode. I've seen the first few. Um, what I love here is that it gets gives him a chance to actually do some like light comedy and family drama within right. the role, the role of Hawkeye. Because I always think like Hawkeye is the guy that kind of they make fun of at the superhero convention. Like you'd get like, you know, Thor and the Incredible Hulk and, got, and Captain America. And they're like, oh, did you bring your bow and arrow? You know, when they're comparing skill sets, you know, let's face it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he's not in the upper echelon. He's a he's a guy that he's a, he's a field goal kicker. He's a guy that can come in and 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 get that game winning you know hit <laughs> with the bow and arrow. But he's not a guy in the in the trenches. He's not a defensive tackle. Okay, <laughs> and, uh, play in saying. and play out. No, yeah. that's true. They actually make fun of him in the first episode. First episode, there's there's a whole kind of meta scene where yeah, he yeah. and 
Haley Steinfeld, who was who plays the female lead. Yeah, in this. who's going to become his protege. You know, right. they have a kind of a cool father daughter thing, which is nice to see too. You know, this kind of the reluctant mentor. Thing, yes, right? exactly. But she's talking about the fact that he's got a real problem in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he doesn't have a good brand. Yeah. And I love that because you also realize that that's the reason it didn't become a theatrical release film. Yeah. Because I, they, how are you going to go sell? Even though it's Jeremy Renner, who I think can open a movie, and he is great, uh, it is probably not the guy. And the Hawkeye character is not exactly somebody you're going to go, oh, I got to rush to go see it. As a matter yeah, of fact, yeah. they're comparing this. I just read that it's down 40% from the first week of Loki when Loki came out in June. Now, that's a little bit of an unfair comparison because it's coming out over the holidays and people yeah. are kind of spread out in a And more way. people are going to theaters than we're in June. Right. There's more multi-platform competition. But, but you know, again, it goes to this point, will it actually work? I think the series, I've seen the first two episodes, I think it's very good, it's interesting, and it's very well done. And again, Jeremy Renner deserves everything. And there's a great inside, I know you mentioned it when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> but there's an inside, if you have not heard that, uh, but you watch it anyway. If you're a Marvel Universe person, there's a great inside joke that starts the movie. Yeah, definitely. And there's some, some cosplay humor and, and lots. You know, and I can understand, too, why the Marvel, uh, you know, the hardcore fans might be more into a, a series about Loki because he's larger than life, whereas Hawkeye's down to Earth. Right. I actually like the Earthbound superhero adventure movies. It's why I've always been a fan of the Spider-Man series, especially the Tom Holland films. Yes, he has joined the Avengers to take on you know the you know the great worldly other galaxy villains, but when we first started seeing Spider Man, he was like stopping you know uh, muggers from you know taking right. on little old ladies in the alleys and stuff, and that's what made it so cool. Like, what the heck is this Spider Man creature doing in Manhattan? Because it was he a villain? Is he a good guy? Uh, much like we saw in early Batman films, where you know they exist in a much more realistic universe. You know, I, I think a lot of these directors, they're going to be asked the questions they, they're going to answer. I, I really put this a little bit more on these junketeers who are like, oh, I'm getting a chance yeah. to direct, you know, another great auteur. I'm going to ask them what they think of superhero movies. We kind of know, you know, and I, I would also like one of these directors just to say, can we just talk about my project that we're here where you've got your six minutes with me? I don't really want to comment on other filmmakers. Right. That's a good point. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, make me feel good about the new Tom Holland Spider-Man that's coming out right now. I've, I've not yet seen it. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. In fact, I'm seeing it about a week from when this podcast will air. We're in December now, folks, so it's like a, you know three screenings a day for me. Uh, but all the advanced word is, is really, really strong about this, and uh -huh. Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, yeah. among others, will be making... He's actually in more of a co-starring role, but we're going to see a lot of cameo appearances as well by other very familiar villains from that multiverse. But see, that's part of the deal to get the Spider-Man franchise back fully under the umbrella of Marvel, right? Yes. There was a whole weird world where it kind of went out came back in, yeah. they had to cut these deals. With Sony and Disney and all that stuff. And, you know, then Tom Holland, who I think has been the best uh, Spider-Man, even though, you know, Tobey Maguire had his moments. Andrew Garfield's a terrific actor. He was too old for the role from mm -hmm. the start. And Tom Holland, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, said this will be the last Spider-Man movie for him. Then they announced this week, he signed, a, you know, he's continuing on. And I'm like, well, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man makes whatever a spider can. You know, he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna yeah. get his money. Uh, I want to, I want to segue to Ridley Scott. We were just talking about Rokan, yes. mm -hmm. um, who after the last duel with Adam Driver, then did House of Gucci, 
also starring Adam Driver. He spent a lot of time with Adam Driver in costume fittings, I guess, over the last <laughs> couple of years. Now, we've talked a little bit about House of Gucci. I thought it veered too much into camp. And I really thought it should have been more, might have worked better as a limited true crime series on one of the streaming networks, like the OJ one, the American Impeachment one we've seen, because it is very lurid. And I don't want to say campy material, although it was kind of treated that way, but you know, it is about the fashion world. There's a murder, there's a scandal. Mm-hmm. I thought it missed the mark. And one of the things people are talking a lot about are the Italian accents in the house of Gucci. And I. And I apologize already if that's offensive to our Italian and Italian-American uh, friends. A dialect coach said that Lady Gaga actually spoke the best Italian when she spoke Italian in the film. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times, of course, in these films, they speak English with an Italian accent. Uh, and this dialect coach said that Adam Driver was inconsistent. I would agree with that. Sometimes he sounded very good. And that Jared Leto wound up being a caricature, Yeah. which is definitely true. And also mentioned that Al Pacino's Italian has gotten better through the years. And Jeremy Irons, who plays the patriarch of the family, yep. he didn't even bother. You know, he's at that point. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. he's British. Right. So he just, he, you know, he's of that mind when you're playing, you know, period pieces or you're playing characters who might be from a different part of Europe. It just kind of sound British. You know, we, yeah. we used to get those in the epics back in the day, right? No yes. matter what, they all spoke, uh, uh, you know, with the King's English. Alec Guinness. Proved it. No matter whether Alec Guinness was, you know, the man of a thousand faces at one point in his career, yeah. and in um, Lawrence of Arabia, right? He plays an Arabian sheik, right? But he's doing it with a British accent. You know, it's they don't. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I, you know, for a film like this, I mean, we heard that Lady Gaga famously, like, you know, kind of stayed in character or at least spoke with an Italian accent for months, and I'm like. It brings to mind the great Lawrence Olivier, you know, his quote to Dustin Hoffman, who said, my boy, why don't you just try acting? When <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was doing all those method things on the set of Marathon Man, where he'd go three days without sleep, so he looked tortured, you know. I, I thought Lady Gaga was actually one of the better things in the movie, uh, playing this fascinating character, you know, right. married into the family and then kind of helped steer them in a certain direction and then got pushed out and then wanted her revenge and got it by, you know, ordering her ex-husband's murder. Spoiler. You know, I want to say about Lady Gaga, another one of those actors, personalities of the century that you can't take your eyes off. And she's not Mm. classically beautiful, but there's something about her that her inner radiance, like Barbra Streisand, same thing. And Mm -hmm. I know that they both enjoy that comparison. You just can't stop watching her because she's normal looking and yet spectacular at the same time yeah i would agree i would also point out that i believe and this is purely me with this scoop i've invented this but i'm going to go with it Mm -hmm. i believe that uh, lady gaga really knows that she looks great while taking a bubble bath and probably has caught her (laughs) own reflection in the mirror taking bubble baths so i believe it is written into her contract that she takes bubble baths with lots of candles because she did it in star is born yeah and she does it twice huh. in House of Gucci. Huh. Bubble bath scene, clear the set. And she does look spectacular. I think yeah. she believes that, that that kind of, you know, golden lighting from the candles and the bubbles uh, over her form in the water she's a- is her best look. She's going to do a residence in Las Vegas where she's going to be on stage <laughs> in a bubble bath. Uh, Heard she it here first. is a woman in full. <laughs>
is what she is. She's a, a just an incredible artist and just whatever she's doing, you can't stop watching. I felt a little bad. I watched a little bit of the presentation on Sunday night, the recorded concert that she had done with Tony Bennett, mm. you know, one last time. I actually saw that in Las Vegas on a New Year's, mm. I think New Year's of 2015. And it they were spectacular together. And Tony Bennett, who has been on our show, mm. you know, over the years, it, 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 again, you know, here's a guy who, you know, literally worked for almost 80 years in show business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just... It's a great, great duo when they're together, but it just oh man, it was it was hard to watch because you see what he's going through now. Yeah. You could see it through, even though he tries really, really hard to get through all of it, and his voice is still. I mean, for a guy you know at his age, mm-hmm. uh, is still amazing. I I can't sing like that at half his age, mm. which I think I actually am, which is yeah. a little scary. Yeah. Uh, but he is like a. Um, He's he's uh, he's such a special guy, and I just I'm, I'm I almost felt badly that they greenlit that concert. Yeah, and I think all the intentions were great, and so many people saw the sixty minutes uh, segment from a few weeks ago show, showing that special. It's a love affair. It's a platonic love affair yeah. there, and how much Lady Gaga. Uh, loves and admires and reveres Tony Bennett and how much he comes to life when it's time to sing the songs. But I would agree. I think that's it for sure, I think. You know, yeah. unfortunately. Oh, yeah, it has to be, yeah. um, But I, I agree with you. It's sometimes a little bit tough, tough to watch. Yeah. Let me tell you about our friends at Portillo's, the finest fast casual experience you're going to have in all of dining. Portillo's, you know, not just hot dogs. A lot of you know when it started in Chicago, people were like, "Oh, it's a hot dog shop." Oh wait, oh wait, we got we got Italian beef. Wait, we got Italian sausage. Wait, you got chocolate cake. <laughs> oh man, it's just uh, it's just one of the great experiences you can have. And I, I think I just said this a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. If you live somewhere where Portillo's is new, in California, Arizona, parts of Florida, check it out. Go. Have the chocolate cake. You get a little slice of home if you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago, or you're from the East Coast too, because you know that that food will be very familiar to you as street food. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be so heavy. It's not. Mm. And can I just tell you something? Mm. The best thing about Portillo's mm. is that bun that they put the Italian beef on yeah, yeah. that you get now when you get that dipped and it gets all wet. Yeah. That is the perfect piece of bread. Mm-hmm. And, you know, carbs be damned. You can do it once a month. You're sure. not going to hurt anything. You'll be fine. Portillos.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S is how you spell that. Portillos.com. Find a store near you or order online. And you can get it anywhere in the United States of America. Portillos.com. Let's talk a little bit about sports on television. A lot going on. You know, this is a great time of year, Ro. Uh, and my condolences to your uh, Buckeyes from the Ohio State University. And my congratulations to me as I predicted a <laughs> Michigan uh, win, flat yeah. out, outright win. Yeah. And, you know, if you go to some of the fine gambling websites that are legal now in various states, you can actually make some money on that. So uh, congratulations to me and uh, yeah. uh, Jim Harbaugh, who finally beat Ohio State. Yeah, well, it, the the line on that game was ridiculous. You knew that Michigan was going to be tough in the big house, and that was a crowd win. Amazing. It was yeah. so loud. There were a number of penalties in that game on the – 
Ohio State line because they were moving because they couldn't hear the call. Yeah, false I mean, start, false start, yeah. you know, illegal motion. I want to say a couple of things about that. We've talked about this before, but especially in college football, and you got to do the false start penalties are so obvious, but I still think we're getting far too many yellow flags. Flags are flying all over the place. I don't know if the officials know what you know what to call in terms of targeting, so they just call it, and then we have to review it. Because yeah. they'd rather call it because you can't not call it and then review it. They review every scoring play, and reviewing every scoring play, I get, but sometimes it's like there's nothing to review. It's just a waste of time. Another thing, though, I do love about college more than pro football, Row, is the the genius, and this has been going on for a long time, but the genius that the camera operators and the producers and directors have of finding the most dramatic fans in the stands and going to them, the same person, and they never know it, you know, while it's going, usually happens to be about eight co-eds. You know, just ha- I know, you know, or well, you get a couple of things. You get the the shirtless Yahoo dudes. Yeah, sometimes they're spelling out Buckeyes, but you know the Y and the E need to switch places. And you know they're you know they, and they're shirtless. Really, even they lost. You know, there were some yeah. Michigan guys that were shirtless, and I just want to say that those guys look like dopes too. And if I were the parent of one of those kids, and that kid was out yeah. there shirtless, and it was it was snowing, yeah. as you'll recall, while this is going on. Yeah. I am docking that kid's Venmo right, account. Like $50,000 a year for pre-law in <laughs> Ann Arbor, and you're out there with a V on your chest? <laughs> you idiot. Uh, but they get great. They always they do find, you know, these, these stu- usually students, sometimes it's parents or, you know, just alumni. But when it's the students and the reactions they have, and they'll show them in slow motion, they do add to the drama of the game. So what I want to say about college football, though, and, and the great TV coverage we're getting, we're in a period right now where there was like a game every night, even on Tuesday, you'd get mm-hmm. like Bowling Green against Miami of Ohio right. or something right. like that, is that every time we get around to Michigan and Ohio State, I get a little sad because it means we're getting near the end 100%. of having the full slate. We get the Bedlam and the old oaken bucket and the Paul Bunyan trophy, <laughs> all these great trophies. was one of my – it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. You know, some of these the last trophies, few weeks of football are great. Some of these trophies were like carved in wood by William Henry Harrison or something. You know, there's always <laughs> the, the lore to it. Uh, but it means that we're going to get to that point pretty soon where we're just going to get – we'll get a bunch of games this weekend, you know, a lot of them conference championships and stuff. Correct. Then there's like, you know, Army-Navy, right? Right. Uh, and then you start getting, you know, the Weed Whacker Bowl. And the you know mm-hmm. the the Cheetos flaming hot bowl. Well, you know, I think it, Ohio State will be in that. Okay. I'm trying to figure out. But if that, they can at it least just make means data. we're winding down in yes. terms of having the full slate. So we got to yeah. enjoy it while we can. The other fun thing is when we get into December, is you get what we used. To, you and I used to call the hot stove league. Well, I guess everybody used to call it that, and I guess that meant like back in the day, way back in the day, you know, in like 1920s. Uh, baseball fans would gather around a hot stove, right? And and managers and owners would too. So be like, Babe Ruth to the Yankees? That'll never happen. You know, yeah. stuff like that. You know, hot stove, stuff happening in the winter. Now we get the big free agent signings. And I want to get your take on this. You're a big baseball fan. Yeah. I know where you're going here. And Well, first of all, neither the Cubs nor the White Sox, our teams here in Chicago, have really done anything so far. So, you know, it's kind well, of The Cubs like- got that Jan guy. Uh, yeah, and the Sox got some guy too. You know, yeah. that's it. Great. You know, they're shoring up the you know the back lines of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, though, it's sort of like you know being at the uh, getting you know you pick for dodgeball, and everybody gets chosen ahead of us. We we're, we're pursuing it, but not getting it. These numbers, though, Ro, I, and I get it. You know, this is what you get. Okay, Corey Seager from the Dodgers, right? Solid player, can touch greatness at times. The Rangers. Big spending spree by the Rangers. Ten years, 
$325 million for Corey Seager. Let me do my math there. I think that's $32.5 million a year. Yes, I think that is what that is. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Simeon, great second baseman. Seven years in the Rangers, $175 million. So, two players for half a billion dollars from the Rangers, which, you know, not that long ago would buy you a team. Right. And I can name the teams that were – you could buy the stadium and right. the team for $20 million when you bought the Cubs in 1980. That's a crazy thing. Max Scherzer, who was a great pitcher, but he's been signed by the Mets, which often will spell doom for a pitcher. Right. Three years at $130 million. If they said, though, you're going to be the starter, if you have the skill to do this, you're going to be the starter, number one starter for the Mets – or the quarterback for the Jets, which would you take? <laughs> well, he might be able to hit the tight end you know, on a, on a cross I mean, pattern. That's a tough uh, matter. Boy, New York is, it's, it's is a now tough, is a hard tough. suffering, long suffering situation there. Well, yeah. and you know, you get a guy like Avisel Garcia, who's a you know a pretty solid hitter. Mm-hmm. He's been on a couple of teams: White Sox, the the Tigers. He's not with the Marlins. No, but again, Avisel Garcia is a is a solid ball player who's never going to be in a conversation for the Hall of Fame. Four years at $53 million. All you got to do is be a solid ball player. Right. Who gets all those numbers, the OPS and the OBS and the SOB and all that stuff. <laughs> and I remember when I was, uh, I believe, I mean, you know. The, you oh, know, my God. Exit You're velocity, so close you know. to going, back in my day. Well, I am going to say back in my all day. All right. And I, I and I get the metrics and stuff, but some of the stuff about exit velocity and launch angle and stuff, I'm like, did they drive in runs? Because those are the, you know, you'll but notice isn't that. Isn't that what they're really getting paid for, though? Because of Getting that, on base and driving yeah, in runs. And that's right. and, and that's fine. And it's a different game now. You know, you, nobody cares if you strike out 200 times. Nobody cares if you can advance the runner. Nobody cares if you can steal a base. All those things that used to be valuable. But I do remember, I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I was 12 years old. And Dick Allen, who had played for the Phillies and uh, the Dodgers for a season, uh, was a free agent and w- at the time was maybe the most feared slugger in baseball. And the White Sox were a downtrodden franchise in Chicago. This was around the time every year there was speculation that they'd be going to Tampa or St. Pe- right. Petersburg that, you know, we couldn't get anybody to go to games. I could, I just walk up with my friends and you could get like second row in the outfield Correct. for a dollar. And the White Sox went after Dick Allen and they got him. And it was like, what? And they, they signed him to a three year deal total deal uh, worth of that deal row was I can remember to this day reading it in the paper going oh my god 750,000 he was going to get $225,000 a year and the baseball world was outraged cuz this was a time where just you know Mickey Mantle guys like that who would you know come up in the 50s and 60s hit the $100,000 mark and everybody was like that's insane Willie Mays is getting $100,000 a more year more than the president more than the, the president and I know about inflation and everything but even if you adjusted for inflation yeah. it's nowhere near these numbers, and we talk a lot about you know the, the the relationship between sponsors and television and professional sports. And I all I can tell you is I don't want to hear these owners ever cry poor if they're laying out hundreds of millions of dollars for a single player. Okay, so they are going to cry poor because we're up on a negotiation here, right? I mean, there's a potential for a lockout this year. Yeah, there is. And, you know, there have been some years where nobody was getting signed in the offseason and people talked about collusion and stuff. But, like, nobody's forcing the Detroit Tigers to pay Javi Baez $140 million over six years. And Javi Baez is an amazingly gifted player. 
He's always one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Lately at the plate, I could come closer to hitting the ball. There are some famous gifs and memes out there where he's missing by eight feet. <laughs> and then he yeah. turns and he yells <laughs> at the New York fans. Yeah. Hey, wait, I used to be great in Chicago. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Oh, so. well. Well, I wish everybody in baseball a whole lot of luck. When you're paying $40 a ticket for a moderate seat in a 50,000-person stadium, isn't that telling you what the real economics are here mm -hmm. for these guys? And that's 162 games, so 81 home games at least, plus you know whatever you do you know, prior to that or after that, hopefully for these teams. Then you got the television rights, you got the radio rights, you got all the rest of the Naming ancillary rights stuff. to the stadium and all the in-house advertising. Advertising like out the wazoo, right? Yeah, you're And right. while you're there, while you're there, they're also tracking your phone through the MLB app because yeah. all the tickets are on your phone now. So they're tracking your phone so they're getting your data. And on top of all that, we just talked about this uh, we now have, uh, you know, the absolute embrace of sports gambling by sporting, you know, by by leagues that used to say if you even talked about betting, you'd be kicked out of the league. Right. Pete Rose banned from baseball, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to be able to bet on the game in the stadium. And you'll see now when you're watching the coverage of football or baseball, any sport, they'll even say, hey, Lamar Jackson to throw for more than 230 yards is minus 140 on DraftKings. Make your bet right now. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, DraftKings and PointsBet and uh, Caesars, uh, MGM, you know, tons of these various apps, local casinos that have sporting apps that are also throwing all kinds of money. Jamie Foxx is doing casino, online casino ads. Yeah, this is a long way. And you can you even imagine what they're paying Jamie Foxx? He probably said a figure and they said, oh, we'll just give you twice that. Because <laughs> you know, Jamie doesn't need the money, but you know he's a smart guy too. And that's, we are generations removed from the time where if Joe Lewis, you know, the great, the Brown Bomber, the great boxer, he was a casino greeter in Vegas and people thought it was the saddest thing ever, just mm -hmm. saying hello to people because it was just to help the guy out a little bit and get him a few bucks. And now you want to be associated with casinos and gambling sites. So there's right. a, there's an awful lot of money getting tossed around there. Uh, before we let this go, money and entertainment coming yeah. together in a weird way, I can't quite figure out Matt Damon doing the cryptocurrency commercial. Yeah, you know, it's first of all, it's a strange commercial because yeah. you, you think he's like, you know, okay, he's hosting something on Nat Geo, you know, the world beyond or something. And again, here's the guy that doesn't need the money. But also, I always felt like, and I don't know anything about what he's endorsing because I and even haven't seen the commercial. I still don't. But it seems like he's getting into, it's very different than when we see George Clooney saying, hey, I got some espresso that you might like. Right. You know, I mean, or I, even I just feel like what liquor you, what, or whatever. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I don't know why he'd want to be associated with that. Again, because it, it had could to go be, in a way that. Exactly. The one thing about cryptocurrency, and I know there's a lot of people, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this who were, you know, dabbling in it or diving hard into it or whatever, because, you know, the world is a different place than it was mm -hmm. five years ago. But. It's still incredibly speculative. It's not well understood. It seems to me, and I think to you know the folks in the major governments around the world, uh, that it only takes a Bond supervillain to start to manipulate it and change the world economic structure yeah. Yeah. in a way that actually could, you know, destroy 
countries. I mean, it, there's a lot of things that have to be dealt with here. And we're just sort of always on the cutting edge of things because we've allowed technology to become the the leader as opposed to us inventing it and yeah. using it. We're now allowing, whether it's AI or now cryptocurrency, which can you know run amok if you want it to. Yeah. And I know that there's all these gigantic investors in it, and you know everybody wants to have a little piece of it because you know if there's a commodity, why not have a piece of it? You know they they, they did it, you know with with tulips, I believe, <laughs> in Europe at a certain point, and they that did. didn't work out very well. Uh, but there are, you know, real people in it, and apparently Matt Damon is in it. And I just think it, it plays against Matt Damon's brand because, it's, you know. Cryptocurrency took a crap last week when the markets went down so yeah. precipitously. Yeah, I would agree. I, you know, I'm not saying we're not saying that you know there's anything wrong with what he's doing, but it seems like a risky association. Yeah. If I were his, on his team, I'd be like, I would just stay away from this right now. They you know, had this to have like, paid him fifty yeah, million dollars yeah, to do and, that, and you know, I'm sure he believes in it completely and has and has sat down with folks who have explained it to him. But I don't know if anybody can explain it. And to me. It's the younger generation version of, you know, these veteran actors that are always riding their horses and telling us to buy gold bars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or, you know, look. Well, it's a little early to be yeah. William Devane, yeah. I think, right now for Matt when Damon. When you're at the top of your game. Yeah. yeah. Because there's always that little piece where you, they're almost saying, like, look, if I didn't believe in this, I wouldn't be selling it to you. Like, if you have to say that, <laughs> I get behind the wheel of a Cadillac or a Lincoln, like, like, like McConaughey. McConaughey right. with this Lincoln. Okay, I don't know what he's talking about, but that's a Lincoln. The only time William Devane is really in a helicopter is, he, is if he's being medevaced oh, out of somewhere. Oh, here we go. Too soon. All right. All right. The Rowan Rover Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. want to thank Renee Nelson and Tim Melanius, our executive producers, and Demita Menezes, our editor and production director. Thank you. See you next time.